This is an ABC podcast. What does the name Carol Chapek mean to you? Well, he was a Czech playwright who in 1920 coined the word robot and it stuck. He was nominated seven times for the Nobel Prize for Literature, but never quite made it, poor fellow. But Chapek should be remembered for giving us a special word, one that makes us think both of R2-D2 and of unemployment. Since then, well, lots of worries. I recall a conversation with the astronomer Alan Duffy at the RIOS, that's the Royal Institution in Adelaide, about the prospects of hack robots writing all our articles and scripts, heralding the end of journalists. But then there are the hero robots, such as those I saw at the Queensland University of Technology two years ago, that dive and seek out our coral killers on the Great Barrier Reef, the crown of thorn starfish, and kill them. And the key skill for doing that is eyesight. They can recognise those starfish and distinguish them from other reef organisms before injecting them with poison. So what are we to make of the centenary of the robot? This is Dr Sue Kay, who's Research Director, Cyber Physical Systems with CSIRO's Data61. Have any of you seen movies or read stories about how our robot overlords are making plans to take over the world? Is anyone here worried about the headlines that suggest that 50% of us are going to lose our jobs to robots? How many of you come into contact with a robot every day? Oh, a few people do, but not many. Isn't that interesting? Not many people come into contact with robots on a daily basis, and there's a reason for that. Australia actually has very few robots. A standard measure of how many robots a country has is called its robot population density. <laughs> and here in Australia, we have a below average population of robots. Our robot population density is 80 robots per 10,000 employees which is very low compared to a country like South Korea, who has a robot population density of 710 industrial robots per 10,000 employees. And it means that, in total, there are only about 85,000 industrial robots in all of Australia, which means we, humans, that is, outnumber industrial robots in Australia by 280 to 1. Now, I like those odds. Clearly, we have a competitive advantage over robots by virtue of sheer numbers. Indeed, I'd go as far as to say that if the robot apocalypse were to eventuate, then Australia looks like a pretty safe place to be. You might notice that robot population density is only a measure of one type of robot, industrial robots. And I don't think we have to worry too much about industrial robots taking over the world. Industrial robots are the type that you find in manufacturing or on automotive production lines. They tend to be riveted in place and perform very simple tasks, like moving objects from A to B, sorting material into different categories, and welding material together. Typically, industrial robots cannot move and are not very smart which are all great qualities in a machine if you are concerned about the robot uprising. <laughs> but industrial robots are not the only type of robot. There is a second type of robot that is more common and also more mobile, and that is the service robot. 
Service robots include drones, educational toy robots, vacuum cleaner robots, lawn mowing robots, pool cleaning robots. In the world today, service robots are outnumbering industrial robots by about four to one. So while numbers for Australia are hard to find, we can estimate that in Australia today, we probably have close to half a million robots, which reduces our numerical advantage over robots down to 56 to one. Still good odds. Now, I don't know about you, but I also rate myself if it came down to a showdown between me and my robot vacuum cleaner. <laughs> over time, I've observed that my vacuum cleaner robot is easily bested by a run-in with a stray sock. <laughs> so, if I were concerned about the robot apocalypse, I'd be keeping a large sock supply on hand. I don't want you to go away from this talk thinking that I am diminishing people's legitimate fears about robots and the progress of technology and how that will impact on all of our lives. The point I'd like to make is that fear of robots is fear of the unknown. Fear of robots is fear of the unknown. And fear of the unknown cannot be challenged by anything except greater knowledge. Once you understand more about robots and technology in general, then you're in a better position to assess the likely risk that such technologies will pose to our future well-being, and also, I hope, to appreciate the significant benefits these technologies can bring. My favorite robot, some of you may have heard of, is a robot called Rangerbot, created right here in Queensland by Professor Matt Dunbabin at QUT. Rangerbot is an underwater robot designed to both protect and restore the Great Barrier Reef. Now, not many people think about robots that can be used to help preserve the environment, but that's exactly the sort of task that robots are good for. We simply do not have enough people to deal with the problem of crown of thorns starfish eating areas of the reef or enough people to transplant coral babies into parts of the reef that have been damaged and need to be rejuvenated, or enough people to deliver coral spawn into waters that are more suited to coral development as our ocean temperatures rise. But that's where robots can be invaluable because they give us an extra set of hands, multiple extra sets of hands, to be able to scale up solutions that we can't possibly implement with humans alone. Who has seen a robot outside? Or as roboticists like to say, in the wild. <laughs> Anyone seen one this week, this year? Yes, not many people. But that is likely to change. We're getting to a tipping point when advances in computer processing power, in battery technology, and improvements in sensors mean that we can develop robots that can safely move about in the world and interact, or avoid, humans. And as we scale up the number of robots in Australia to meet challenges, like protecting the Great Barrier Reef, then it is more and more likely that you will encounter robots in your everyday life. Last year, I published a roadmap for robotics in Australia, and in it, we identified a number of areas where we think robotic technologies can be used to good effect. These include things such as protecting the environment, 
providing services to remote communities, reducing healthcare costs, empowering older people to stay in their homes longer, and providing safer and more fulfilling jobs. Over the next decade, we will see robots that are more tactile, more capable of interacting with their physical environments, more closely working with humans, and more self-sufficient. Robots will also take on many different forms, suiting them for new and previously unexplored functions. And while in the future we are more likely to interact with robots in our everyday lives, we will then face a new challenge. And that is how we respond emotionally to our robotic helpers. We know that humans respond to what we call embodied technology. That is technology that vaguely resembles us. And we respond in a different way to technology that is embodied to the way that we respond to technology like a phone or computer that is not embodied. You are more likely to trust and respond to advice that you are given from a robot than you are to advice from an app on your phone. And we know that people get emotionally attached to their robots. Manufacturers of bomb disposal robots report that their robots are often sent back in pieces with a request to fix them, despite the fact that they supply new robots when one is destroyed. The purpose of these robots is, after all, to be blown up so that humans are not put at risk. Nevertheless, manufacturers often receive boxes of destroyed robot parts with a request to fix this robot rather than send a new one. The robot is recognised as part of a team. I think that as people see more and more robots in the world, we will stop fearing them. We will grow to appreciate the capabilities that they have and importantly, recognise the capabilities that they don't have and learn to harness their benefits to unlock human potential. Instead of fearing the robot apocalypse, we should be thinking of how we can use robots to solve intractable problems, and importantly, how we can work comfortably with them. Research has shown that the most successful teamwork occurs not in robot-robot teams, or even in human-human teams, but in robot-human teams, where we can combine our different strengths to achieve an objective. I remain cautiously hopeful that in the future, we will not need tips on how to survive the robot apocalypse, but that we will find ways that allow robots to expand our human range of capabilities, to modernise our economy, and to build our national health, wellbeing, and sustainability. Thank you. Dr. Sue Kay at the World Science Festival in Brisbane. She's research director of the Cyber Physical Systems with CSIRO's Data 61 and is one of the RoboHub's 25 women in robotics you need to know about. The centenary of the robot should be mostly good news if we choose to make it so, as she argues. And yes, we want our own friendly robot preserved as we get to know it somehow as unique. Next week in Occam's Razor, one of our superstars in astronomy. Tamara Davis, who you may have seen on ABC television tracking those super black holes. I'm Robin Williams. This is an ABC podcast.